I'm going to say, I'm going to introduce who our speaker is today. Uh, and I'm going to do this first before we do a worship song uh, so that I can get to be with my D group guys. It's my honor to get to introduce our encounter speaker today. Uh, he is my old friend. His name is Will Hines. I first met Will, we were trying to figure out, maybe 13 or 14 years ago, we met at church. And uh, I first knew him mainly as a guy who was really smart and really funny, and that, as you guys know, is a great starting point for, for guys and friendship. And, uh, and as years passed, my, my esteem for Will, my love for Will really deepened as we sort of walked through the years together, and I, I grew to know, I mean, he's still funny, and he's still smart, but I would just add that Will is humble and loyal, and he's wise, and he is authentic. I've seen Will act with integrity and care in some really difficult circumstances in his, uh, in his church, um, in our own friendship. There was a point uh, a while back where I had to repent to Will of something that I'd said uh, and a situation that I, I mishandled. And, um, and he received that uh, really graciously and with a lot of conciliation. And, and he sort of turned it together. He said, like, we, we, we prayed together, and he really led that effort to, to commit to doing, to doing better. It was really a beautiful moment that I cherish of, like, Christian fellowship and encouragement and a, and a mark that the Holy Spirit is, is alive in, in Will's life. If you've uh, been in my class before, you know that one of the things that we do, that we like to do in my class, is look for, look for the themes of God's story alive in history, looking for creation and, and the fall, redemption and, and restoration, this grand story, this grand narrative that we all exist within. And I think that when you listen to Will's story today, you're going to hear that. Uh, on, on some level, it's just a small story of a family in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, who's trying to follow Jesus. But in a, in a bigger way, if you have ears for it and eyes for the kingdom, all of God's story is alive in what Will is going to share. Uh, well, my name is William, and like Peter said, I'm a friend of his. That's how I ended up here. <clears throat> Give me a second. That's my kid. That's Cece. Isn't she cute? We adopted her a few years ago, and this is going to be our story of her adoption. There we go. <clears throat> and uh, you know, like Peter said, I've been friends with him for, for quite a while. Uh, you guys are very lucky to have him as your, your teacher. He's been a really uh, good friend to me. And it's a real honor to be invited here today to talk about something that's really, uh, it's very personal and very important to us. Um, I'm not an experienced speaker at all, so this is the first time I've done anything like this. You're going to figure out really quick, uh, this is not something I do. So, uh, you know, give me a break. Um, so I'm probably going to stutter a little bit here. <clears throat> uh, so... Uh, I realize that uh, we're, we're strangers. Uh, even if I could see your faces right now, I probably wouldn't recognize any of you, so I'm going to introduce myself a little bit more. Uh, my name is William. I work in my basement. I usually wear sweatpants and, uh, and slippers. Uh, I work with my dog. Her name is Molly. She's beautiful. She's the employee, employee of the month, like six years running now. Um, my kids go to school in Bloomington at a school called uh, University, no, UCA. What does that stand for? United Christian Academy. This is their first year there, so I'm still figuring that out. 
Uh, it's a, a private Christian school. Uh, our church also meets in Bloomington. Um, I don't leave Bloomington very often. Uh, that's all you really need to know about me, I guess. Uh, let's see. This is my family. Um, the good-looking one there is my wife. Um, the cute little one with the brown hair is me, obviously. Uh, just kidding. That's Pepper on the bottom right. Her name is Penelope. We call her Pepper. Um, and Pepper describes her personality. She's, she's insane. She's great, though. Uh, and the little blonde one there is Cecilia. She's the one that we adopted. Um, here's another picture of Cece. This is her at Christmas uh, wearing her Frozen shirt. And she's singing, I'm assuming, a song from Frozen. That's her thing right now. If any of you guys have younger siblings, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, it's a great movie, but uh, it also has the potential to drive you insane. So that's, that's Cece driving us all crazy on Christmas. She has a, a really great singing voice, not usually in tune, but she sings with a lot of heart. Um, let's see. Uh, so Cece is, uh, is going to be the focus of my story here today. We adopted Cece in 2016 as an infant. We were living in South Dakota, Sioux Falls, South Dakota at the time. And um, uh, show of hands, anybody here adopted or know somebody who's been adopted or a handful of people? All right. Um, hopefully you're not all just a thing of the same kid. Uh, you are, aren't you? There's like one kid here who's like, yeah, it's me. Um, but so Cece was adopted. Um, so this is her story. Uh, and every hand that went up, every adoption is unique, right? Uh, there's no two adoption stories that are alike. In fact, we were part of an adoption support group in Sioux Falls as we were walking through this. Uh, and if you say, uh, you know, our family adopted or whatever, it can mean, you know, we adopted a 10-year-old out of foster care. It can mean we have a whole bus. It was literally a family that had a bus because they had adopted so many kids. They had to drive a bus. Uh, they earn a lot of really cool points. So, um, in fact, every time... They tell the story every time they would uh, pack their suitcases to go on vacation, their kids are like, are you coming back with another kid? Because that was kind of just the pattern in their life. So, uh, But Cece is the one that we adopted, and so this is our story. Uh, and I'm here today um, uh, because I saw something really amazing happen in our lives. God did something amazing in our lives in our adoption of Cece, and that's, I feel like uh, when Christians witness God in all his glory, it's kind of our responsibility to share that with each other, just to keep each other encouraged. Um, and a reason that I was invited here this week of all weeks is that this is Sanctity of Human, what is it? Sanctity of Human Life Week. Um, so I don't know if some of your, your, some of your churches might observe this. Ours does. Um, it's really a time for Christians to uh, come together and pray um, over over different issues that are going on in our country surrounding uh, just a myriad of human rights issues, uh, namely abortion. And, uh, and that's kind of going to be a focus in my, in, my, um, in my presentation today, just to warn you. Uh, we, as Christians, have uh, this biblical view that human life must be protected from conception until natural death, and that responsibility covers many areas, um, uh, but one one area that we, we primarily focus on on human uh, on the sanctity of human life week is defending preborn children from death by abortion. Um, and I don't want to take for granted that you guys know what abortion is. When I was in high school, I had no idea, and I was 
I was a Christian, and I hear the word abortion, and I hear people get real excited talking about it. They're really heated. It's a, it's a very divisive issue, even in the church these days. Um, so I'll tell you what abortion is. Um, uh, divor- abortion is the deliberate termination of a pregnancy. Now, in other words, there's a human life that's growing in a mother's womb, and actions are taken to deliberately terminate that life. Another word we use for that is, is murder. And, uh, and we believe that both the Bible and the field of science called embryology affirm that human life begins at conception. Um, when a sperm fertilizes an egg, um, a unique human life is created. And I didn't bring a slide for uh, the process of, uh, of conception. If you have any questions about uh, how babies are made, I ask you to uh, bring those questions to Mr. Welly. Um, as he was walking off, he said, yeah, if anybody wants to know where babies come from, have them send me an email. So he's open to have that conversation. Um, uh, but real quick about embryology. So if you were to take my fingernails and check them for DNA, and if you were to take my wife's fingernails check them for DNA, I have unique DNA. My wife has unique DNA. But as soon as uh, an egg fertilizes, uh, a sperm fertilizes an egg, there is unique DNA. And that same DNA stays with us. It has all the code in it that is going to run us from that moment of conception until our natural death. It tells us what color our eyes are going to be, probably what height we're going to be, what color of hair, skin. All that information is right there. Um, so to say that it's just an extension of, of the father or the mother is, is erroneous. That's a unique human being. And that child, from the moment they are conceived, that, that's called a zygote, by the way, I don't know if you guys are studying that in, uh, in science at all, but uh, that zygote actually bears the mark of having been made in God's image. And when we celebrate sanctity of human life week, we're acknowledging that we are made in God's image. And for that reason alone, we have inherent value. Um, I want to tell you about this. Uh, there's this really, uh, frankly, kind of idiotic uh, Christian pro-life meme that I see a lot, um, and it's, it takes place, there's like a conversation between a person and God, and the person is praying, hey God, there's all these horrible things in the world, we have, we have cancer, we have disease, we have starvation, um, how are you going to help us? And then God answers, well, I sent somebody to help you, but you aborted them. Um, and on the face of it, uh, we all understand what it's saying, right? Like, there's this valuable human being that was supposed to come here and do great things, but we aborted them. And so uh, what I don't like about this idea is that it places value on a person's ability to contribute to society. Um, and I'm just going to burst some bubbles here, but none of you guys are going to cu- cure cancer, right? It hasn't been done yet. We've had some of the smartest people in the history of the world working on it. They're still coming up short. I hope it happens someday. It hasn't happened yet. Uh, but you are no less valuable because you are less useful than somebody who could cure cancer. Uh, and that same thing applies to a child in the womb. That child in the womb is not less valuable than, um, you know, Michael Jordan or something because, you know, Michael Jordan does great things. That child could go through their whole life and just kind of live a normal, ni- work a nine-to-five job and just kind of die quietly. That person is still ingrained with God's image, and for that reason they have value. Um, and throughout history, there have been uh, biblical examples of nations that have violated God's uh, 
law to not commit murder and have uh, destroyed the image of God uh, through murdering children. There's cases in the Old Testament where child sacrifice is practiced. And, um, and God deals very severely with those nations. We, uh, we get an idea that God uh, has a very compassionate, loving heart towards all of us, but, but, uh, but certainly towards children. Uh, in the New Testament, Jesus says, let the little children come to me. Uh, and then there's another passage where Jesus warns, if anybody leads one of these little, uh, little ones astray, it'd be better for you to, uh, to tie a millstone around your neck and throw yourself into the sea. Basically drown yourself uh, rather than hurt one of my children. So we see God as a tenderness towards children. Um, and God exercises that, that tenderness through a command that he gives to us Christians a biblical responsibility to uh, to care for children, to care for to care for orphans, and that plan uh, comes through the church. Yes. Okay. So I had the right slide up. Uh, this verse: "Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this: to look after orphans and widows in their distress, and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world." That is God's design to look after orphans. Um, early Christians took this up uh, in, in a really amazing way. I read accounts where uh, in, in Rome there was this practice called exposure. If a child was born, if they're unwanted because they're the wrong gender, or if they have some birth defect, that child was just placed out in the wilderness and just left to die. And they, they thought that was the humane way to deal with that. And early Christians would follow the cries of those children and, uh, and bring them home and adopt them. Um, and we think of that practice of exposure like, ugh, like that's, that's horrible, right? It's, it's, it's barbaric. But uh, that, that same thing happens today in, in the modern world that we live in. Right here in Minnesota, last year, there were nearly 10,000 surgical abortions. There's other, there's other forms of abortion that this doesn't take into account, and that number gets a whole lot higher when you, when you consider that number. Um, uh, South Dakota, where we were living, it is illegal to get an abortion after 20 weeks, and I'll tell you later on why that was important to our story. But in Minnesota, elective abortion, that's abortion for any reason, is allowed up to what they say uh, is viability. They have a subjective uh, measure of when a child can survive outside of the, the womb with or without um, medical help or treatment. And it's subjective based on the medical provider who is present at, uh, at the abortion. So if an abortionist determines it's, uh, between 24 and 28 weeks gestation that that child is, in, uh, is not viable, well, that abortionist's discretion is enough to, to terminate that child's life. Just for reference, uh, this is my nephew, Amos. He was born premature at 27 weeks, three days. If you see, the, if you see him on the left there, that is, uh, that's his first day in the world. In Minnesota, that child could be uh, aborted, and that process, uh, it's horrible. There's, there's a lot of different ways that a child is aborted based on, um, on what period of gestation they are. For him, he would, have been, um, he would have been cut into pieces and sucked out in a, in a vacuum. I know that's very unsettling, but uh, before I came here, I asked my wife, like, what do you want me to share? And she said, just be honest. So I'm going to tell you, that's what would happen to Amos. Um, 
So if you're like me, this is all very uh, unsettling. The need, the evil, is very, it's very overwhelming. Uh, you look at numbers like 10,000 a year in Minnesota. What, what can we do? What, what are we up against that we can make even a dent in those numbers? And that's sort of the questions that my wife and I started asking ourselves and we prayed furiously over um, that leads into our story. Uh, we had been to Planned Parenthood in South Dakota. It's, uh, it's, there's only one in the, the entire state of South Dakota. South Dakota has some pretty restrictive laws about abortion. Um, it is, it's right across the street from Roosevelt High School in Sioux Falls. And it's not by an accident. Uh, so we had been to a few, a few prayer protests where we stand outside and we pray for, uh, for the women, for the children, for, for the workers. And, uh, and every time we left, like, ah, there's got to be something else we can do. It felt, um, it felt very powerful. And I will not belittle um, the power of prayer over abortion. I've seen and read stories where amazing things have happened um, but we made a determination that we wanted to adopt a child. Um, and not as a consolation prize, not as like a, a plan B, but, uh, you know, out of our pro-life convictions, we felt, you know, the idea that there's, there's unwanted children in the world. There's children being ad- aborted, uh, and we have, a, we have a place in our home. We can take one, you know. Uh, we want another child anyway. That's kind of where we were at as far as our older child was like two at the time, and you, th- you start thinking about these things. So um, we went to an adoption seminar at our church, and we met with an attorney uh, because we wanted to do it on the up and up. Um, but our, our plan was, uh, was, was this. So that's in fr- us in front of the Planned Parenthood in Sioux Falls. We, um, we determined that we were going to meet a woman who was considering abortion and we were going to offer to adopt her child. We wanted to show compassion towards the woman. We didn't want to, uh, I mean, we were, we were not there to, to rile up pro-lifers. We weren't there to get pats on the back. Um, we were planning on going to an area where we would be very unpopular with, uh, certainly with the employees there, but with the people coming, they weren't necessarily wanting to see us. Um, uh, and every week for seven months, uh, something I'll tell you about the abortion clinic in South Dakota. So uh, because of the laws, you can't have one after 20 weeks. And also, you need to have a counseling session with your abortionist uh, minimum 48 hours prior to the procedure itself. Um, so on Mondays, they had scheduled the counseling sessions. And on Thursdays, they had scheduled, we call it abortion day. We would go Mondays and Thursdays. Uh, and, and try to meet women who were, who were going into, into the clinic. Um, and, uh, you know, a lot of people would drive by and, uh, and see us and honk and wave their support, and some people just wanted to support us a little bit, so they waved with one finger. Uh, you guys are number one, I think is what they were saying, but uh, drew a lot of just funny reactions out of people. We had the most uh, interactions, I would say, with the employees themselves who would stop and, what are you guys doing here? Well, this, this, these are our signs. This is what we're doing here, you know. And like, okay, that's all right. Um, and I was surprised by how many even pro-choice people uh, received our message and uh, in the heart in which it was intended, which is that we weren't there to be judgmental or, you know, shame on you for even being here, but just to say, like, gosh, you're in a tough spot. I know you're making decisions right now. Just consider us. So 
Um, this, the, day, the day after this picture was taken, I put it on my Facebook page, um, and I just kind of just went to bed, didn't think anything of it. And the next day, I got a text and was like, hey, dude, follow this link to Reddit. I don't know if you know what Reddit is. It's kind of like a news blog for just kind of the strange, eccentric things that have happened that week or whatever. And our picture was on the front, and it was very, uh, is very much a post written by a pro-abortion person. And it said, like, this is the right way that pro-life people should protest. And there was, it, I saw it at 9 a.m. It had, like, a million views already, and it was going around. And I think Peter told me at some point he learned of our adoption because his aunt, like, forwarded him this link. Uh, and he's like, that's my friend. What? What? This is just going around. So it, uh, it was kind of neat to have a kind of a viral moment, not because I at all was interested in having my mug flashed around on the Internet. Um, uh, but again, because we wanted to reach people. We were, we were out there looking for our child is how we considered it. As we prayed, uh, it was with the knowledge that, you know, if we're going to meet a woman who's already pregnant, it's, it's possible our child has already been conceived and is in this world. Um, and we were right. We, we, found, we turned out to be right. So uh, a, n- a number of our friends knew that we were doing this. We had a, a church Bible group who was very supportive. Our pastors were very supportive. Um, and uh, and the, I had a friend over to help me with some plumbing. He was removing a sink or putting in the sink. I don't know. And he was there for like an hour. And he's like, oh, by the way, a uh, friend of mine, she uh, was going to abort, but I said, uh, don't abort. We have some friends who are ready to adopt, so you should uh, call them. And I was like, I was like, oh, that's great. I'm glad you talked to her and you said that. And he's like, oh, she's going she's gonna to call the church, and then she's going to call you, so you should call the church and let them know that, uh, that she's on her way. And I said, okay, that's great. And he's like, no, you should call right now. And I'm like, you've been here for an hour. Why are you just bringing this up right now? But I, yeah, so that turned out to be our, our daughter's uh, birth mother. That's how we met her. Um, so we, we get this call from her, and she's uh, very, she kept saying, oh, this is so awkward. And we're like, yeah, this is awkward. It's not like we've done this before, you know, uh, met the, the mother of our child in these circumstances. So we met for dinner. Um, uh, I, remember, I still remember her waddling in, you know, tell me out to here, no mistaking who we we're looking at, um, and just thinking, that's my baby. I'm meeting my baby right now. Um, and she sat down, and she was so, she was shy. She was very sweet, um, but she was so broken. I mean, she was so, I can't share much about her story because it's her story, it's not mine, but I, uh, she was in a bad place. Um, her... Uh, her baby daddy, her boyfriend, was not a good guy. Uh, and I just remember her saying, I didn't think anybody would want my baby. But she was, so, she was so brave, and she was so selfless. Everybody in her life, even people who loved her, who had the best intentions for her, told her to abort. They said, you're not in a place where you can be a mom. You are a mess. Um... You should, you should just take care of it. And so she had, she had actually made an, appoint, an appointment for the Planned Parenthood in Sioux Falls, and she skipped the appointment. She didn't tell her family. She skipped the appointment. So they just noticed, well, you're, still, you're getting bigger, and it's too late to do it in South Dakota. So like even right before she met with us, she was like, yeah, before I talked to your friend, I was going to go to Colorado. Uh, every state, by the way, has different abortion restrictions. In Colorado and a handful of others, you can have an abortion right up to birth. You can be fully to term, babies kicking, babies healthy, babies ready to come out, and they will 
uh, they will kill your baby. And that was her plan. Uh, she was scheduled for abortion. She skipped it. Um, in fact, when we met her, she was seven and a half months pregnant. She was already having contractions. Uh, and keep in mind, we had just met, and we're like, you're already having contractions. This is getting, this is getting real. So um, uh, really quick, I do want to tell you what a, what a, a we call it a late-term abortion, but it's a third-trimester abortion. Uh, the fate of this child would have been that an, abortion, an abortionist injects a needle into the mother's abdomen, into the baby, with a drug called digoxin. They aim for the baby's head or toso, torso or heart. The drug is designed in adults to treat heart disease. In this case, it is designed to induce a fatal heart attack. The baby at this stage of pregnancy has a fully developed nervous system. They feel it, every bit of it. They die of a heart attack, and they will remain dead in the, baby's, uh, in the mother's womb for several days while she is slowly induced into labor. Uh, the mother will either deliver a dead baby or... She'll come back to an appointment. They'll use a, an ultrasound, and uh, in some cases, the baby's still alive. They'll have to give him another shot. Uh, and at that point, the, the baby is, is cut out and extracted into pieces and then reassembled in a pan to make sure they got them all. And I realize that description is shocking. I didn't bring pictures. I can't even look at them, but I've seen them, and they are more horrifying than you can imagine. And it is, uh, there's no other word for it but wicked. It is wicked. Uh, and it's accepted. It's even um, it's it's fashionable to do this. Uh, it's empowering for some women, as they say. But I'll tell you, there's a lot of deception about what happens in an abortion, and that's just the reality of what uh, when someone says, you know, advocating for a woman's choice. That's that's the choice, and that was nearly Cece's reality. But for the grace of God, Cece's birth mother uh, chose life. And she placed Cece for adoption, and a few weeks later, she was born. My wife actually got to be in the delivery room. Uh, this was pre-COVID. She's not wearing a mask because there's a pandemic. She was, there was a C-section, and so, like, there's, uh, you know, for sterility reasons in a surgery room, you gotta be, you got to be wearing all that stuff. So, um, let's have some more. There she is. She's looking just thrilled about being in the world. She's got some goop on her eyes. I don't know what that's even for. She's really cute. There's us. I think that's when I first met her. That's when her older sister, Pepper, held her for the first time, and they hit it off. Um, she was just smothering her in kisses. Still does. They also fight a lot. If you've ever listened to a four-year-old and a seven-year-old fight, it's like... Like, if you guys were adults, this would be the dumbest conversation I've ever heard, but you're kids, so, you know, what else, what else are you going to argue about? Um, and that's our first time taking a picture as a family of four uh, in, front of, in front of a dumpster at our house. And a uh, funny story I remember about this was we, did, we took this picture, and our neighbor walks by, and she's looking at this baby, and she had no idea we're about to adopt, and she's like, whose baby is that? And we're like, well, this is our baby. And she's looking at Liesl like, what? Uh, I made some joke about, like, yeah, didn't you notice? Yeah, no, we adopted, so. Um, let's see. A uh, quick note about this picture with Pepper I wanted to, to say. So, like, 
uh, a funny thing happens when you adopt a kid for the mother of the adopted child. So like for my wife. Uh, so when Pepper was born, she had been growing in my wife's tummy for nine months, right, in her womb. And, uh, and they'd been bonding that whole time. But I didn't start bonding until I held her for the first, first time. So when my wife held Cece for the first time and when Pepper did too, it was like we all bonded. We all started bonding at the same time. And my wife actually started to have like, She's like, this was different with my first child. Is there something wrong with me? Is there something wrong because with her, am I not doing it right? Or it's like, no, no, no. This is what it's like for the dad, like every time. So you get a little taste of my life here. So oh, that's another one of Cece. That's Dan. I told you about the friend who was fixing my plumbing uh, who, uh, who made this all happen. Um, and uh, so there's, there is... A lot of beauty and adoption, and I'm going to tell you there's a lot of uh, brokenness. So, Cece's birth mother used meth while she was pregnant with Cece. So, this is us. When we were at the hospital, we couldn't figure out. She had, she had shakes, and she couldn't keep her food down. So, this is a test. That, it's like a reflux test. That tube is going down here, like measuring the acidity in her stomach. It's like, why, like what kind of food can we feed her if she's allergic to everything, and she's not putting on weight, and... Uh, you know, back in the olden days, that would be called fa failure to thrive, and a uh, child just wouldn't survive. But uh, because we live in a modern age, we were able to try a lot of different kinds of food uh, and, and find one that she wouldn't throw up. It was wicked expensive, so thank you for that, Cece. Um, and uh, the doctor determined that she had been exposed to meth in the womb, and what, what would the rest of her life look like? We don't know. There's a lot of unknowns about long-term effects of meth, mainly because the studies have been done, have been done on children who are still being raised in homes where the mother is, uh, is using meth. So there's, you know, is it, uh, is it hardwired into her brain now? We don't know uh, what, what her life is going to look like, but we're going to take it as it comes. Uh, we're, not, we're not angry at her birth mother, by the way. I, I admit there were times where I was like, how could you do this? But, you know, meeting her where she was at the time, it was very clear. Uh, we're just we're just blessed that Cece's here. We love her her mom. We don't blame her for any of this. She was a, she was a broken person. Um, and uh, as far as oh, there's another one with Pepper. This is her uh, when we finalized her adoption. This is us at the courthouse. It was a powerful day for us. She's a very girly girl. She wears dresses. If you put her in jeans, she's just mad about it. She actually, <laughs> there's a place at the mall that does like pedicures and manicures for little kids. It's the cutest thing ever. And that's, that's what they're doing there. Now, if you recognize <laughs> that picture, so this, <laughs> this tells you what kind of a, a how compliant Cece is. She just she's just up for anything. The the dog is too, by the way. But uh, I don't know if you read this morning, uh, Joe Exotic was not pardoned. So uh, anyway, our little Tiger King there. Uh, so my wife's cousin came to visit a few weeks ago, and I wanted to share this story. She, uh, she has, Cece just started running her mouth and saying, I was adopted, and, and telling her all about it. I'm like, what do you even know about it yet? You know, she knows she's adopted. But So her cousin asked, like, well, what does that mean to you? And she said, well, well, Pepper grew in Mommy's tummy, but I grew in Mommy's heart. I thought that was so precious. So, uh, I, again, I'm really excited to be here, but I, I wanted, I'll just tell you I had an agenda for being here, and it's, not, uh, it's usually something you share at the beginning of, of a story. But um, 
uh, the reason I came was because, uh, again, God did something really amazing in my life. I think it's our obligation to glorify him and give him glory. Uh, and in this situation, he was the absolute king of glory in CeCe's adoption. None of it would have worked without him. Uh, he, he led every step of the way. Um, this is one of the verses that we read as we were considering adoption. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to, praise, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given in the one he loves. Cece's story is our story. For those of us who have been redeemed by Christ on the cross, we have been adopted. Um, we, have, we have humble, broken origins that God has restored for us. Uh, for those of us who claim the name of Christ, we are, we are his children. And it was, always, it was always his plan. We are not a consolation prize. Cece is not a consolation prize. He loves Cece. He loves every one of us. Uh, and something that I've grown a greater appreciation for in my faith uh, through our adoption is just understanding who I am to him um, as, I, as I hold my child and just think about how much I love her. Um, God's grace just means a little, a little something different to me. Um, and in that, God is glorified. It says that uh, uh, to the praise of his glorious grace, um, to me that just means God does this so that he can be magnified to the world. Uh, another point I want to, that second one, uh, I don't want to take for granted that any of you will not be in a situation that you will consider abortion. And I know you, you go to, you're in a Christian school, you're in Christian communities. Statistically, um, women who have abortions and the boyfriends of women who have abortions are just as likely to be believers as not. Um, uh, the same percentage of abortions by Christian women is the same percentage of, of women who are Christians. So. Uh, the point I want to make is that every life matters to God. I, I just pray that there's some seeds that are planted here. If you're ever in a difficult situation and you're thinking, I just, want, I just want this to go away. I don't want to live with the shame. I don't want people to know about my sin. Uh, I have had the opportunity to meet so many people who have had abortions, and the one thing they all say without any prompting from me is that if my child was still here, they would be X number years old. They all remember. They all know. It leaves a scar. God can heal, and God is, I've seen God do some amazing uh, works of redemption in, in the hearts of, of any sinner. Um, but I just want you to know, it's not the easy path you might think it is. I think your class is ending. Really quick, uh, I also want to uh, go back, plant seeds uh, for uh, some of you in, who might be considering adoption yourself someday, or orphan care. Um, there's that verse in James it talks about how true religion is caring for the orphan and the widow, and, uh, and that's, that's a command for all of us. So uh, just consider how that applies to you now and forever. That's our mission. So you got to go. Thank you for your time. I really appreciate it.